Welcome everybody to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and tonight we have with us writer, director, and star of Givers of Death, Addison Henderson. Addison, thank you for being here with us. How are you doing tonight? Oh man, I'm doing great, man. It's an honor to be here on Dead Talk Live. Thanks for having me. It's our, to it's, yeah. our, it's our pleasure to have you here. And I saw the movie, I enjoyed it, and I look forward to talking about it. Uh, to let everybody know, Givers of Death is coming out to select theaters, video on demand, and digital in nine days on August 5th. So make sure to check it out. Addison here, like I said, wrote it, directed it, and starred in it that's a lot <laughs> of hats to wear man so let's get right to it uh the title givers of death is a very intriguing title to this movie so to the people because the movie's not out yet how would you you know summarize this film for people that are interested in checking it out um if i was to give the the short version here i would say it's really about a hitman trying to find peace during the apocalypse. Um, and I'll delve in a little bit more. Um, I think uh, viruses, you know, as we know how that works, a virus has attacked and killed 25% of the population. And when you get this virus, um, it does horrible things to you, pain, excruciating pain, disfigurement. And so a lot of times people, when they get it, they, they don't want to live anymore. Yeah. And instead of taking their own lives, they call somebody to come do it for them. And so that's my character, a giver, a giver of death. Absolutely. Now, this is a, a passion project for you. What inspired you to write the script and pursue it all the way up to, uh, you know, it coming out in a couple of days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll tell you a little bit about that. And I'll be, uh, I'll be frank here. I was going through, um, during the time of my life, I was going through a, uh, a mental wasteland, so to speak. Um, and as an artist, tortured artists <laughs> we um we take a uh, we take and i take i won't say we i i take a lot of experiences from my life to write my scripts and so during that time i was going through some things emotionally and personally there with uh, close loved ones and family and and i was just trying to find a way and i said i'm gonna instead of just being depressed and and just dwelling on what was happening i said i'm going to create an artistic work yeah. to symbolize this point in my life and so i was sitting around you know believe it or not i was watching jaws in um in the park you know you know how they have people yeah. in the park watching movies and i said ah i got it i got it i'm making a movie about this and i was there with my buddy and we started talking he's like that sounds cool he's like how are you gonna pull it off and i said i don't know i'm gonna write the script and i'm gonna pull it off you'll see you'll see and so i kept building and building on it and um i was working on a movie with my great friend chadwick bozeman and uh 21 bridges and as i was on set i was typing away writing the script writing the script writing the script and then by the end of the shoot my script was done it was done and 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 then it was off to the races wow that's a very inspiring story now like you said the film is teetering in a world of the apocalypse how important is that setting to the message of the film? Um, teetering on the world of the apocalypse, right? Because what happens is, like I was saying, right, a mental wasteland. So when we go through things in life, right, we're teetering on the, on the verge of something, right? What are we going to do? Are we going to find a way to turn our lives around? What, what decisions are we going to make? 
And so now we go to our character, right? What is he going through? What decisions is he going to make now? Because in the beginning of the pandemic in the movie, he lost his his wife and his daughter. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, he started doing this giver job. But he's always longed to have them back or to be with them. And then he starts to realize what I'm doing. Is it right? Is it wrong? And so to have that setting in a pandemic and to have this kind of hitman to be the guiding point to tell this story, I thought that it was a very important way to have that dichotomy in these characters and yeah. really show show what it's like on the inside with this high concept. Absolutely. So your character's name is Fog, uh, assassin, agent of agent of mercy. Uh, besides your personal experience, did you draw upon anything else uh, to input into Fog? Uh, absolutely. Um, in terms of the concept of the film, I was looking for something that really draw drew the audience in, something that gave um, that that gave us that that high concept moment. And I was listening to a podcast called This American Life, and I was I heard about this thing called a wind farm mm-hmm. in Japan. Um, and this guy had this after the tsunami. He set this phone up on the top of his garden on a hill. And people who had lost their loved ones in the in the in the tsunami will come into this phone booth and talk to their talk to their dead to talk to their loved ones that had wow. passed on, in order to give them peace on the other side, in order for them to get peace, as the human beings still living through all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I heard that, you know, um, being an artist that I am, I, I was crying, and I said, "Oh my God, this is this is so this is right up my alley." And I said that to 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 pay homage. To to that, I said, I want to have something similar and something like that in this film, because, you know, when we lose people, we, we long to hear their voice again. Yeah. We long to 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 be with them again. And, and 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 so for me, it was that that moment that I that I was like, we got to put this in the film. And I drew heavily from that to add to add to the high concept of the movie. Oh, wow. That's a great story. I did not. I never heard of that before. Now, when it comes to this virus, I mentioned earlier, and you used the word as well, teetering, because the world is not fully in apocalypse mode. They're still looking for a cure. There's still a little bit of hope left. When it came to the virus itself, how detailed did you want to depict it on the screen? You know, for me, the the virus, I didn't want to get into a, a, a science a science, a science thing, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to, do, you know, I wanted there to be this this virus that they're trying to find a cure for. That some people get it, some people don't. But what I really wanted to delve into, uh, like you know, because there's been movies about virus and they talk about that. I wanted to delve really into the characters, right? So they don't know what this virus is. They can't. They can't actually say, "Oh, this is a, a COVID." 2020 this is a COVID 2023 or whatever the hell you know what i mean mm-hmm. i wanted people to say be in a world where this virus is attacking and, and them trying to figure it out but they're living their lives and people are dealing with tragedy and the in that internal struggle of fall and his and his buddy you know uh frank yeah. that that's the boss of the whole crew you know what is he going through he you know i'm not gonna get no spoilers no, no. spoilers but you know what are, what are they what are they going to so I wanted to be detailed with the human emotion more than I was detailed about giving this virus a this, this all the science breakdown because we know viruses exist and they can attack. 
Absolutely. Now, when you were writing this script, I assume you were writing it with you in mind to play Fog. When it came time to shoot, uh, were you nervous, uh, weary about how you're going to handle being directing yourself? I mean, you have like 95% of the screen time in the film. Were you nervous how you're going to direct yourself and how you're going to pull that all off? You know, um, there is an exhilaration that comes with it for me. Right. You, you've heard other people that are more well known than me that, that, that go off, that, are, that start off their actors and they go direct the movie and they say they don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not that guy. <laughs> I am not that guy. I want to do it and do it and do it all, all, all the time. And so for me, when I, when I, the people, the people that were like my friends in the business, you know, they were more nervous. They were like, well, how are you going to do all these jobs? I said, don't worry. Just watch. I got it. Just watch. I got it. I got it. <laughs> and so, and so, um, and so, but I have to say, I have to say to, to, in all honesty, I have an incredible team uh, from Matt Cappuccino to, to Leah Cohen Mays to Trent Bowling producers and the great Lagra Lane group that came and they supported me and mm -hmm. they helped me up to make sure that I was successful in doing, doing the job because, you know, I don't want to lose anybody any money, and I also don't want to make a bad movie. Yeah. And uh, in dealing with the limited budget that we had to tell a science fiction high concept, everybody had to be on the same train and aligned, so to speak. Exactly. And so, was I nervous? I think, I think, I think I had butterflies, and I because and that's because I care a lot. But it sounds you know? like you used it to your advantage. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now let's talk about another character in the film, uh, Detective Schmidt, uh, a very important character. You have Fogg and you have Detective Schmidt. They're opposites on their views of uh, what is right, what is not right, and so on. How do you think their motives uh, play into their views? Schmidt, there is right and wrong. Uh, Fogg, I am giving them what they want. How do you think their motives play into you know what their yeah. views are? Yeah, no, absolutely. Their motives, right? What well, Schmidt, right and wrong. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. He's a cop, the, you know. But where's the, where's the gray area, right? Where is the gray area that kind of Fog lives in? Where, where where is that? Where is that, right? And so Fog's on the trying to understand. Schmidt's trying to take down. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because he because because of his backstory, you know. And so. You you know so so these men are are different. One is searching for the the meaning of his life, and one is saying, "I'm going to get you for what you did," mm -hmm. and maybe not exactly understanding why people are doing what they do. Uh, that yeah, that totally makes sense. Now Schmidt insists, like I said, that right is right, wrong is wrong, and your argument is that it's their choice. Do you believe that there is, if there was an apocalyptic world uh, in the movie, A Givers of Death, there is any right or wrong in that world at that stage? At that stage, um, because, you know, you're teetering on complete chaos, right? Mm -hmm. So differentiating right or wrong in, in a mess like this would be completely, would be, would be hard to do. Yeah. Because you got people doing all sorts of things, right? And so I think that the main thing would be is to try to find some type of understanding, you know, uh, try to find a way to, to, to deal with each other 
throughout throughout a, a, a completely messed up situation. And so, to to answer your question, is there there is no right or wrong mm-hmm. in this in, a, in an apocalypse, right? But I think that you know, killing babies is wrong. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we don't want to see that. You 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 know. Um, but it, it's it's a, it's a it's a hell of a gray area when you're dealing with um, end times. Absolutely. Now, people think of assassins. You think of you know murder for hire, but in the apocalyptic world, that is not Fogg's motivations whatsoever no. for the organization that he he works for. Uh, do you believe that the other people in that organization, you know, it's not really explained, but do it just for money? Um, some people, you know, just like in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, some people go to law school to be lawyers so they can make $500,000 a year. Exactly. And they don't love the law. That's they like actors it. who think I'm going to become an actor and be a millionaire by next week. <laughs> exactly. And then they realize that they're going to have to go back to Iowa. Because <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, so, and so, yeah, I think without a doubt, there are guys that do it just for the money. And you know what? There, there are guys that do it just for the thrill. Yeah, you know what I mean. True. That's true. So, so you know, and there are guys that 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 do it to to actually really bring peace to somebody. Exactly, and that's not. But thing. then, right? That's but then it's just like, well, am I am I wrong for bringing peace? They wanted it. Is it wrong? But I leave that up to some to the audience to discover that for themselves. Who are they? Absolutely. Uh, going back to Detective Schmidt, what was it about uh, Jonathan Sterrett, who played the character, what did you see in him that you're like, you know what, that is the mirror opposite of Fog. That is who I want to play Detective yeah. Schmidt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I met Jonathan, he had a a certain Texas fervor to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he that's where he grew up, you know, and I spent some time and I talked with his mother and I I talk, I talk with his family, you know, that, that's just kind of who I am. I know it's like you hire a guy to act, but I want to know everything about the person. <laughs> yeah. I'm hiring, like I'm hiring to act. And so I spent some time and I said, okay, this is a kid who has a certain a belief system that I think could go, could bow well up against my character. Yeah. You know, and so with spending that time with him before the, the casting, um, I was like, you know what, this is a kid that I could, I could believe in that wants to do something unique with his life. And he was very, you know, very, very energized by the script, the movie, what we were doing in Buffalo, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I live in L.A. now, but I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and I shoot all my movies in Buffalo. That's and awesome. he was energized about what Buffalo brought to the table and what this script mean, the, meant, the redemption the whole aspects of it living in complete chaos. Did you want to like have Schmidt shown as sort of like a naive character? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That was that was that was that was the hope, right? Mm-hmm. Bound for justice, right? Absolutely. You know, to, you know, because then when you're naive like that, you just like gung ho, go right in. Like you know, you're bound to make a lot of mistakes and not recognize what's behind the other door. Yeah, you sort of see everything black and white when that, everything is not black and white. It's there's a lot of gray area. Exactly. Uh, I want to talk about the character of Franklin. Would you say Franklin is opportunistic or just misunderstood as a character? 
okay. You know, I think um, Franklin is <laughs> – I can't – you know, I want to say he's both opportunistic and I want to say he's both, but that's not giving you a straight answer. Yeah. Uh, so here, so so what I would like to say is Frank is opportunistic. Frank is opportunistic. He's about that dollar, right? Yeah. He's about the dollar. He comes across he that to, way, definitely. Yeah, he, and he has some realizations by the end of the movie. With no spoilers. <laughs> no, spoil, no spoilers. Um, now, you mentioned earlier Fogg loses his wife and daughter to the virus. Uh, what do you think kept him going was becoming a giver uh, and providing what he thought was mercy to people that were suffering from the virus. Do you think that's what kept him going? How would you describe it? What, what kept Fogg going after he lost his family? Yeah, you know why not just why not just take yourself out, right? I mean, you know, you're gonna he could have been like, I'm gonna catch this eventually, you know, and so right. on. Right. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, what kept Fall going really was, you know, I think his job, what he decided to do, yeah. right? The the going to 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 give the people that that what they wanted, the peace that they wanted, right? And and so he he himself was searching for that peace, yeah, right. So he was connecting to these people in a way, and you see it in the film, mm-hmm. um, and he was going to give them peace. And also himself searching for that same piece that he was giving them, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So he was experiencing it, you know, firsthand on on all these different occasions, right? And he's searching for the same thing, but then there's something that clicks, and I'm like, well, well, what am I doing? Yeah, why am I doing this now? I need, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And now he's starting to search, and maybe there's some you know, some different things that transpire within him in the inside because you can you you start off one way, you've seen enough mm-hmm. and you're like, you know what, this enough's enough. Yeah, we definitely see his arc throughout the whole movie from where it is at the, where he is at the beginning and of course where the end is. Now when you started shooting and you were ready to go, uh did you find because the inspiration of fog came from personal experiences for you did you find it difficult to get into that character mindset or did it just click for you as soon as from day one of shooting? Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, and, and people that people that are, you know, that are really close to me, that are great artists, you know, they, they talk about it they're like, you know, Addison, you had time to sit with this character. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, here's a script. Um, your agent hands you a script and they like they want you for this role. I wrote the role. Yeah, and so as I'm writing, I'm writing and I'm thinking about about the character, and I had a chance to really sit and be and be living in this character, which was some some things were pulled from personal experiences in my life. Mm-hmm. So so by the time the camera rolled, once they put that leather jacket on me, it was over. Yeah, you yep. know, you just slipped right into character. Yep, exactly. As a final question, because we're we're almost out of time. Uh, you have worn a lot of hats in filmmaking, movie making, and so on. You've done shorts, documentaries. You've worked as a cinematographer, actor, now director. This is your first feature film directing, I yeah, believe. Yeah, my first narrative feature, yes. Uh, going forward, I love asking this question. Uh, where does your passion lie? Writing, directing, acting, or you want to do it all? You know, um, I- I've had this question a couple times when talking about this, and I'm going to say it for your audience, just like I said it to everybody else. All right. 
Um, I had an executive ask me a few weeks ago. He said, Addison, so what's the grand design? What's the grand vision for you? Mm-hmm. What do you see yourself? And I said, do you really want to hear it? Mm-hmm. I said, do you actually really want to answer? I said, well, I want to be like Clint Eastwood. Oh. That's what I said. I said, I want to act and direct my movies and be the guy in them and direct them. That's, that's what I want to do. That's awesome. You know, and I said, that that's it. And I said, I'm going for this. I've, I've done, you know, besides my docs that I did, I've, I've, I've trained for this. I've, I've did a bunch of shorts where I acted, directed it. And so it was, this was the moment for me to step into those shoes and yeah. I'm letting go of the reins. I'm going to ride this bull until that bull throws me off. That's awesome. And we're all pulling for you. We're all pulling for you and the success of this movie. I think it's going to do very well. Again, guys, the movie is called Givers of Death. It is coming out to select theaters, digital, and video on demand in nine days. Friday, August 5th. Uh, Addison here stars, directs, and he wrote the screenplay. Check it out. It's a great story. It's, uh, you know, in the huge bowl of a apocalyptic movies this definitely stands out on its own do you have any final thoughts you want to share addison before we go um i just want to say i'm very excited for the world to see this and you know we're going all around red carpet premiere in buffalo new york where we shot the movie my hometown all starts there i'll be back there and then on to detroit and chicago and doing the screening in la all q a's and we're very excited for everybody to see it and I want to get my face out there because this is not the last of me. Oh, no. I'll be back. I, be yeah, back. I, I 100% believe that. Absolutely. Yep. You're definitely driven. Thank you to our guest, Addison Henderson. I want to thank our audience live and those who will be watching this later on. On behalf of Addison Henderson and myself, stay safe. Check out the movie, Givers of Death. Stay walking, everybody. Good night.